Yo. Hey. It's good. Not too much. The usual. I feel that. Yeah, sorry for um a week, like a completely inactive week in terms of Instagram. Yeah, I, f- I feel the same way. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I've just been thinking, grouping together what the actual content is going to be, you know, like <clears throat> I was, uh, I've been talking with the artist, dude, that's going to draw the cartoons for the uh, comic strips. And I'm just, I'm just sort of sitting back and looking at what's going to, what could, what would work best, you know? So I, I haven't really posted either this week. When you say, um, what could work best, do you mean uh, visually, aesthetically, or more so in terms of like the actual, uh, the comics actual content? the content of what will work just moving forward, you know, because I noticed that some things get a lot of attention and then some things get like none, you know? And I think people that actually look at the content pick favorites or not that they pick favorites, but they prefer a certain type of content from us. And I think we should just capitalize on that, you know, make that better. So I've been thinking like, I've been looking back at like what's really uh, getting people talking about things or or just thinking about our content uh, and trying to figure out how we can go forward with that, you know? What would you say, how would you describe that the most engaged with? I think, I definitely think it's the memes. Like people... People are looking for uh, some type of content, you know? Uh, I feel like maybe with the essay or the, I don't know what we call them, the... uh, Like the article type? Yeah, article, yeah. Uh, I think because it's just text, I definitely think they're worthwhile. I mean, I just don't think people read, you know? People aren't going to go through all of them and read. Whereas the meme is much easier and then it actually, it actually accomplishes what we're trying to do, like make people think with the content. And uh, if we can somehow make more short form content, at least on Instagram, you know? I think um, I realized sometime back, maybe a couple weeks ago, a month or so ago, I was thinking about like what it would be like to see the posts on the feed as a pure consumer, you know, like as a follower, mm-hmm. not as an actual maker. And it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. I think if you encounter like like an article in a post, you're not as likely, like there is something to be said for how social media um it's like the optimum engagement format is something where you don't have to sit there and like, oh, I'm going to really think this through and like study this right yeah. here now, you know? It's definitely, it's, it is just useful to keep in mind that like people don't go on to social media like, I'm going to learn 
so yeah that's that's definitely a good point i think i think people are looking to find something you know where they're they want to be surprised by what they're seeing so i don't like what you're saying no one's seeking something out on instagram people are just going on it and i think if if they're just going on and they're just scrolling through we have to make what they see as captivating as possible and something that they would obviously with our goal something that will make someone think something that can make people think but at the same time when they see it be captivated with it enough to follow through with looking at it or even liking it yeah i think it's um it kind of boils down to <clears throat> communicating something that will stick with them because it's like the things that we're ultimately communicating about which are like things like philosophy um you could say aware awareness of self like self-awareness um things that, like that it's like most people especially the target audience have probably already encountered the information so it's like the key is to communicate it in a way where it's like oh it's never been communicated in that way before right. i'm going to remember this even if just for the next hour or half yeah. hour but well really uh hello it's lagging a little oh, bit oh yeah sorry. you cut out there Uh, what I was going to say is the vision with this whole thing for me, it's a lot of things, but, uh, I forget where this comes. Oh, it was Socrates. Or, yeah. Plato in the Republic. He says, education doesn't start only in the actual schools that kids are taught it starts with the tales that were told as kids those are those are that's our first lesson so to speak in education they're, they're the tales that we learn when nowadays it's movies nowadays it's cartoons or memes and that to me is inspiring you know like what what are we being what is our first lessons as kids and i I definitely feel inspired to do kids content, you know, children's content that, that piques my interest because you know, like kids shit isn't just for kids, teenagers and adults end up watching kids shows nowadays. So it's like, but if we can get the kids as our target audience, you know, you know, that is a very, very good point. Um, given that the younger generations are all on social media, you know, like they're yeah. all plugged in and it's like, what are they plugging into? What are they so captivated by? It's, mm -hmm. it's true. We really, there really needs to be careful consideration, not only by us, you know, it's a responsibility we all share. Like, right. But if we could build an empire off of that, if we can build an empire and, affect them on the highest level you know because we could be one little jab but if the whole if the biggest entities in this realm are teaching kids something that we could disagree with you know 
then I think it's our responsibility to get to that level of Nickelodeon, Disney, all these people, which to me it's interesting because we're in this weird transition phase. Like, is are those things even gonna continue on? And in what fashion are they gonna continue on? Because they're not on TV doesn't get as the views that it used to, even by kids, even by anyone that would watch Nickelodeon. I bet you their their views aren't as high as like I don't know, uh, Netflix. Like I think uh, Netflix is partnering with Nickelodeon right now to get all of Netflix or Nickelodeon's catalog on Netflix. I was gonna say I think I really I don't know how likely it is that the TV giants are gonna be are just gonna stop and die. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say it's it's very likely that they'll pivot to digital right. and even post digital, whatever that might be. Probably that's what I'm saying. What's the future with this? And you know, like what's the future of of storytelling? Because that's essentially what it is, and, and storytelling has always been this huge uh database of information and it's always had huge audiences but nowadays it's so social media it's everyone has a voice in this but I, I i definitely think solidity makes for better content you know we're, we're opposed to like uh like an instagram cooking show versus a whole cooking network you know or like Action Bronson's show. It's not just a YouTube. It's not just him vlogging his... Like, they have a setup behind his show, and it works better, to, in my opinion. Like, I like shows like that more than internet shows. Yeah, it gives it a sense of structure. Mm -hmm. Which... And it's just... Go ahead. Which works. Yeah. Like, on on the viewer level. But at the same time, those Instagram accounts or these individuals work just as well too you know they get just as many views as action bronson and it's a guy vlogging his same the same thing but he's vlogging so it's like where where does it go down because i like the traditional structure of television or or storytelling but it's it's shifting you know and it's it's like in this loading phase i feel like I mean, I think in a lot of ways, the individual vloggers, like YouTubers, mm -hmm. um, I mean, there's so many, like just random ones that are coming to mind, like David Dobrik, Emma Chamberlain, mm -hmm. Kelly Stamps, just, I mean, there's so many. Right. But it's like, they, what they have done, they have actually, in their own way, in this unique landscape that is social media, and especially YouTube, they have created our TV shows. Like, right. I would say they're, like, their channels, that is like our equivalent of a show. And, and, and people like Aunt Emma Chamberlain, they affect the taste level of comedy for, for her whole audience. She's, she's contributing. It's not, it's not like people are watching her mindlessly or, they're, or there's not, she's not actually taking the role of a cartoon because I feel like a cartoon it's always been about comedy, at least from the be from the very beginning. It's it's been about comedy, you know. There's few exceptions, but 
cartoons have pushed our com a comedic taste level to higher or they pushed it higher because I feel like with all those kids watching and it, it affects them at a young age on what's funny, you know? And and Emma Chamberlain has taken that role. People like people on YouTube like that, they've taken the role of guiding or educating people, young people particularly. That's such an interesting point that comedy and comedians teach us what to laugh at. Yeah. Like, that, you know, that's, it's so true though. And it, it sort of, it, is, it sets the boundaries um, for what can be laughed at or joked about and what can't be, which I mean, that's a whole can of worms, honestly, because it's like, what is the boundary at the end of the day? The, in comedy, I don't think there's any, honestly, because the most absurd shit to me, people that bust the, the wall, that's, that's always the funniest shit to me because you, you, they go places that no one goes. Uh, I don't know. I don't think there's a boundary with comedy. I think, again, it's also, it's also our democratic mind. We think the masses dictate what we think is funny, but it's really those comedians that are telling you this is funny and it affects you in a way to make you laugh. And it's not necessarily dependent on what's already funny in the sphere of comedy, you know? Same thing with politics, same thing with philosophy. It's always, it's never the masses. It's always those people that affect the masses. There's a hierarchy to it. Yeah, and it's not necessarily bad because we don't want just anyone creating our cartoons. We don't want just anyone being comedians. The best of the best, all, like Dave Chappelle, affected our comedic taste level as a as a culture um and i definitely i feel like we've already gone so far with comedy i don't think it'll ever stop but i think there needs to be something where and it's definitely possible that comedy is not the main focus when it comes to a cartoon network why why all the cartoon networks are comedy based, literally. Most of them. There's like Dragon Ball Z. That's not comedy. It, but it's still funny at some points. Like I don't know. When is there gonna be a serious show for kids? Like the Odyssey used to be Homer's Odyssey used to be the tales that kids would be told when they're when they were young. It was it was word of mouth. The mothers would just tell the kids or the family members would tell the tales of Homer. I feel like I'm trying to rack my brain for a show that is more serious than it is silly. Um, Black Mirror. Is that for kids though? No. <laughs> but uh, I feel like you could make a Black Mirror for kids. Goosebumps is like a Black Mirror for kids, kind of. Except it's a little more fairy tale like. You know. Goosebumps. Yeah, Goosebumps, although that's more, I don't know, that's more uh, horror than yeah. life philosophy. Yeah. But um, I feel like if, if a show, if the modern show equivalent of the Odyssey were to be made, because doesn't the Odyssey deal with, like, 
it's it's the voyage of Homer. Like no, it's the voyage of Odysseus. Uh, right. Homer was the author. yeah. He goes he goes through uh, different trials and tribulations. I guess. Um, it's not. I mean, it's rarely. I don't think it's funny at all. It's an epic tale. Um, I'm trying to think of like an epic cartoon or movie for kids, and there really isn't any. I feel like parents nowadays, if something like the Odyssey were to be televised, I feel like parents would be like, I'm not going yeah. to watch this, even if it were aired by Nickelodeon. Like, but, but it's like those same things. The, obviously, the Odyssey wouldn't work anymore. It's too lengthy. It's too deep. Um, but if we could translate that same, those same types of messages, and obviously not the same exact messages, but the fact that he could put messages into his tales, it wasn't just some stupid fairy tale. It was literally a crafted work that has everyday life situations in it. Like, um, for instance, was it Achilles in the Odyssey? Or maybe it's the Iliad. Achilles, uh, he basically doesn't want to go out to fight anymore. I think it's Achilles. I, I might be fucking this up big time, but he doesn't want to go out to fight anymore. And his, his uh, mistake made his friend die. You know? I'm, I'm obviously butchering it, but it's like, Okay, this this is your mistakes affected someone else, and it's not funny, but it's like a lesson to be learned, and it's also interesting because there's also the, it's a whole war going on, and it builds up to that point. Is Achilles? Um, is it that person that the Achilles tendon is named after? On our yeah. Foot. Because yeah, because his this the story of Achilles is that his mother dipped him in uh, some type of potion that made him invincible, but she held him by his Achilles, so that was his only weak spot. That was the only part that he didn't get dipped in, and uh, I think it's Odysseus. I don't. I forget who shoots him. Someone shoots him in the Achilles heel, and he dies. So that's why that's why the term uh, Achilles heel is also used as my weakness. So people would be like, basketball is my Achilles heel or, or like, a, you know, something like that. Something that they're bad at is their Achilles heel. It's interesting how phrases like that come to be. I think but, a lot of it. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I think as far as a show that, uh, that is centered around serious lessons like that, I think the thing about the uh, the shows that are more comedic on the surface, I think there are there are lessons, but it's yeah, as though definitely. they're masked. And the question becomes, are the networks not allowing them to make I think the outright lesson to communicate the outright lesson? I just don't think anyone's made one that works. Dragon Ball Z works. It's not as it's not. It's mostly serious, honestly. But it's it is it does have comedy sprinkled throughout it. It's not 
comedy with lessons behind it. It's seriousness with comedy sprinkled in. Um, it deals with problems, but it's it's silly, you know? A lot of shit is silly. It's not deep. It's not like your mistake. It, it is like that, but it's... Uh, I feel like Homer has philosophical undertones in his writing. Like, uh, damn, what's that one tale? There's a Greek tale. I, I, it might not be Homer, but... Um, I, I've, I was watching uh, Pierre Grimes because his philosophy is that we're, we, get, we become infected with problems at a young age and our parents' problems become our problems if, the, if our parents don't deal with their problems. It passes down. It's like a tradition and it goes deeper. Like uh, It's also the cave wall. Pierre Grimes makes that argument. The cave, the, the images in the cave are beliefs passed down by the family. They're not real. And once you escape that, you enter the, the realer world, the, the world of ideals or reality. Uh, well, where was I going with that? Oh, he, he, he brings up in, the, in Homer's writing where it shows that the family passes down a, a false view of them of the reality and themselves and then how the character has to face that in his throughout his his own adventure it, it comes back up and you know a good show obviously we've talked about this a million times but the avatar is pretty serious it, it's funny as fuck but it's also serious and i think Shows like that need to be the main show, you know, an epic tale of, you know, it's made up, but it's epic. And people love Avatar. Like, Avatar is a beloved show. Exactly. I think Japan, anime in general, got it down. Obviously, Avatar is a little different, but Avatar is more of an American cartoon feeling to it. But it's still anime inspired, I feel like. The, the art and just certain things yeah but i feel like go ahead oh just it's um it's kind of beautiful actually how there's distinct identifiable traits about uh different about works from different cultures or countries yeah it makes sense like, though like anything like food right that's true and it's interesting to me how how obviously food's the same thing. We could go into that how how cultures affect each other, and then they end up the ethos of that culture still remains with the added on technology or food, and then they, it ends up becoming its own because it, it's already original. It's rooted in something original, so it creates something original, like uh cartoons the whole cartoon show category i guess is american or i think it's american and then japan has their own like tv is american or, or english let me let me look this up so i don't look like a fool like western it's western yeah cartoons it's obviously very new but it started there and then japan 
they they got it too, but they didn't do it in the same way. They they weren't making Tom and Jerry. They were making anime. Like some for for some reason, their culture created this new way of doing cartoons, and now it's affecting us. Now we're copying them, or now we're adding those anime elements to our own, particularly like Avatar, which is an American series, I think. <laughs> let me let me look it up. Where did cartoons start? Now I'm thinking about, uh, yeah, the history of comics. Just like illustrated mm. comics. I actually took a class on that. And what? I think, okay, yeah, Walt Disney. Walt Disney definitely affected the world, you know? So I think it started with that. That brought a revolution. Japan adopted it, created their own cartoons, and it's, I mean, it's amazing what they've done with it. But now it's time for a new American cartoon renaissance. Why the fuck? Uh, I feel like we, we've lost a lot of our, I don't know. I feel like cartoons aren't the, what they used to be. Probably because they, uh, like anything that proves itself in the market, it became uh, overproduced. And anytime anything anything becomes overproduced, the quality inevitably declines, at least for most of them. That's true. On average. Uh, I feel like companies end up feeling the pressure of the consumer, you know? And, and I feel like the people, like Steve Jobs made this point. What was it? The people that run the money, the people that are focused on getting the money end up taking the, the main seat at these creative houses and not the creators. That's the problem with these, with these companies. It's not the cre creators aren't the suits anymore. Or I guess they, they never were, at least Walt, Walt Disney was, but now who, who's, who's the head of Disney? Is he an artist? Does he make his own cartoons? Did he make his own cartoon? I doubt it. He's probably an economic person that knows how this market would work. The, this particular group of people would generate this amount of money if we create a show catered to them. And I feel like, again, we get favored with self-interest. It's not how can we make the best cartoons for kids? How can we, how can we affect kids in a way that, that helps them or brings joy? Even, even as simple as bringing joy to someone. That's not, that's not at the main, that's not at the front line anymore. It's, it's kind of hidden behind how much money can we make, though, from these kids. You know, that's an interesting point. Um, I was listening the other day to a roundtable, an executive roundtable from The Hollywood Reporter. Mm -hmm. They often upload roundtables between... Uh, actors, actresses, directors, I think they've done screenwriters, and then I saw that they had um, executives, and it was actually a very interesting conversation, and it, it was the executives, the top executives of, uh, of pretty much the major production companies, so Disney, Warner Brothers, Paramount, um, 
like Universal, although there might be some, some merging there, like Paramount and Universal might be one and the same. Mm-hmm. Also, Netflix was there, just like the top dogs, basically. And in their conversation, it was actually, I thought it was pretty clear that they have, they have a very solid grasp on what you're saying, which is that like, we are creating content for, for young minds and also for, for, you know, older minds, middle-aged yeah. minds, but like for, for young people, like there was awareness of that responsibility and they were articulating it, you know? And they were like, yeah, we like to look for projects that, uh, you know, I've, I mean, I forget what exactly they said, but it was like that we know we're going to spark happiness or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, but I guess like, there's there's a misalignment there between what they were saying, which is which is what you were saying, which is that like do make things that matter, make things that help, make things that teach. There's a misalignment between that and what they actually are what's actually coming out of these factories. Uh, I think one of the problems there is the literal trajectory that they're going down. It's I think if they realize that they're the first line of education, they took that approach. Like they had that mindset. Okay, we're we're educating children on a mass on a on a global scale with our with our tails or or whatever. If they took the, if they took the or if they realize that they were educators. I think we'd, we'd see different content being produced. But I think, although I did say joy, I think we favored joy. We favored fear, joy, and comedy as like our main focuses to go down. And, and I feel like for me, it's, I, it's, it's, it's one of the reasons why we live in a dumber society. Just, everyone you know i think we're 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 dumber than we could be we we're 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 not as smart as we could be you're saying because of that emotional force feeding because of those three categories that we favor horror movie horror shows comedy shows and 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 joy and and cute or whatever you know those are the three main categories that you have to sort of fit into there's no epics anymore um, or even something as simple as the way Plato writes his books, it's a story going on. It's Socrates going somewhere, he's doing something, and then someone comes and, and challenges him to a, a debate. But it's interesting because it's like, When I think of the when I think of doing a comic, I, I'm imagining Socrates and Charlie ba- Charlie Brown combined to one person. Because Charlie Brown does have that like witty, clever attitude to him, and he's he's sort of uh, he's sort of depressed for whatever reason in in, in the in the Peanuts show. But uh, I could see Socrates playing the role of Charlie Brown, and people come to him with these views. 
because I feel like in, in, in the Peanuts, it's like Charlie Brown's just this neutral character, and then every other character is like an extreme, and they affect, they took, they, they, uh, say something to him, and he, his response is sort of, what's, what's the joke, you know? He doesn't even have to say anything. It's, it's just him standing there, and he looks at the fucking, he looks straight at you, and it's like, that was ridiculous what the person just said. Uh, I could see that with the soccer, with a Socrates type character, you know, like someone comes at him with some sort of, uh, particularly like with Pierre Grimes' philosophy, a, a problem, a pathologos, a false view of reality, and the character sort of just looks and says something, points out the falsity in their claim, and then it, it ends like that, or it's like funny because what the person said was ridiculous compared to a reasonable person, you know? And I think uh, it would be funny to, it would be funny to make, it would be interesting to make fun of society in that way. Because essentially, uh, Plato is shooting down those, those false views or the, the societal views of reality. He even challenges the religion at the time, which was Homer, which was uh, Hesiod. These tales of the gods were what people thought of as, oh, this is, this is the real characteristics of the gods. And, and Plato challenges that. Are you sure that Homer is, is equipped to make tales about our, are, are you sure we, we shouldn't re-examine what he said about our gods? Should, 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 should Zeus really be a serial rapist? Should everyone, should, should all the gods have problems if they're what we're looking up to? And uh, it's interesting to think of someone doing that with right now's problems or these, these views that we have, that we as a society hold, a character shooting them down with, with, the, with the Socratic method. I think that's a... Uh that's an awesome framework to have um, almost like a blank canvas mirror as the yeah. main character who has a relatability, but also a neutrality. That's Socrates. Do you know, for what it's worth, do you know how old Charlie Brown is supposed to be? Mm, I th he's like in kinder, they're like very young in the show. <laughs> they're like toddlers, I think. Because one of the characters has a blanket. That's true. Yeah, Linus. But isn't yeah. another one of the characters like a piano prodigy? I yeah, but he's also a kid. He has like a mini piano. He's supposed to be four years old, Charlie <laughs> Brown. <laughs> That's pretty funny, honestly. <laughs> Later references continue to peg Charlie Brown as being approximately eight years old. Huh. So he's, he doesn't go over 10. He's still like a toddler for the most part. Wow, that's, that's interesting. But you see, that's the thing about creating characters. You don't have to, uh, you don't have to be like, Charlie Brown is 15 years old and I need to make that explicitly clear. Like... Exactly. Like what we were talking about on the live stream, how SpongeBob's age and what he is is sort of just a mystery. Like he's in school, but it's boating school. He has like a teenager job, 
but he's an adult at the same he lives alone with a snail i actually um i'm gonna get a book that i got it's it's a i'll get it hold on It's called, it's called The Parables of the Peanuts. It's, it's this, he basically breaks down hidden or deeper messages within the Peanuts cartoons. And it, it has a religious backing because he, he brings it back to the Bible. But it's interesting because it's inspiring in, in, to me. Because it's not entirely silly, the cartoons. I can't, it, it, for some reason it's mirrored the but it's interesting to see how Charlie Brown he kind of is a, a, a Socratic character in a way. Like he, he just, he's just a mirror. Like it's funny because he's, he's observing someone else's absurdity. And I think that's ultimately um, from a storytelling standpoint, an effective way of like engaging the viewer with, ideas or beliefs that they themselves probably hold to be true right you know what i mean or uphold in one way or another and as radical as our society has become i think we all have a little bit of charlie brown in us like we sort of we we do feel like we're we're just in the middle of it and we're 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 looking at things for what they really are we, we obviously take sides, we've been taking sides recently more than ever, but I think we do have Charlie Brown in us somewhere, like this skeptical of someone else's ideo ideology. But he's also, he's also not as clever as like a Socrates. Socrates will literally argue the person. Charlie Brown is just trying to figure himself, he's trying to figure life out. And then people try to put things, try to tell him things. And he, I don't know, he takes it, but it, it's funny because you, it highlights the absurdity of what this person said. And he is poor. <laughs> you know, he's literally, he's literally a baby, bro. <laughs> That's fucking hilarious, honestly. I, the cartoon uh, is so old, but he's wait, a baby. Wait, so old? The cartoon, just in general, it's a it's an old story, an old when, character. Was it um? When did it come out? Like the sixties, seventies? I want to say fifties or forties, even. Let me see. When was Charlie Brown made? October 2nd, 1950 was the first Peanuts comic strip. That's, um, I mean, the, I guess so, the first comic strip published in a newspaper. No, 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 no. There already was, but it, it became the biggest one, you know? I mean, there's no comic strips that have a, a, a amusement park. 
Wait, what do you mean it already was? There already were comics in newspapers. He was oh. inspired by them. The creator of Charlie Brown or the Peanuts was, he was inspired by the past cartoonists. Okay, gotcha, right. But he, he took it to the next level because, I mean, they, they had a cartoon, they had a, a legit animated, I don't know if it was a show or I, I've seen a lot of like the animated specials, the, the Peanuts animated specials. This probably came after a couple decades or so. He actually, I was, re I actually read up on the, the creator of it a while ago and um, he, he remained drawing them for, until he died, basically. Like he, he never let anyone else draw the comics. He would draw every single one of them. He was, he was, he was very particular with what the, the, what came out of his peanuts. And he actually hated the name Peanuts. It was, like an, it was like an executive that thought of the name Peanuts, and he hated it. Huh. I wonder which titles he wanted. He probably just wanted Charlie Brown. It's funny, though, how Snoopy is a little bit more famous than Charlie Brown, and Snoopy's... From what I'm from this book, Snoopy's barely in any of the comics. He's sort of just like a side character. You know, it's funny you say that because um, I actually have a cousin who loves Snoopy, like loves Snoopy, and it's like there's no love for Charlie Brown. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Charlie, bro, Charlie Brown is is always the fucking. He's the underdog in like every comic. They're always like making fun of him or trying to attack him. And it's, it's so bad that people don't even like him as a character. They like Snoopy more than him. <laughs> he's not even the main, he's not even the main focus of people. That probably, that probably has something to do with our, uh, like our, well, as far as you said, like the emotion of joy and cuteness. Yeah. Like that's it's that with Snoopy. So yeah. there's that immediate like intimacy almost. Right. It is weird how we fit it's Disney. Disney brought that to the table that we for the most part Disney's portrayal of reality is is elegant and or not elegant but cute and and uh perfect in a sense. The main characters are always this innocent character that you know even uh well i think pixar was one pixar makes the best movies in my opinion now cartoon movies those are the only ones that have like messages that i've seen that aren't disagreeable with you know the uh the framework that story framework probably is reminiscent of um is it the three greek story categories of comedy tragedy oh, yeah and i don't even remember the others um, i think it might just be tragedy and comedy 
tragedy was the most famous uh, plays in those times, and comedies were sort of put in between tragedies so that people would have like a comedic relief. But for some reason, comedy is the main one now, and tragedy tragedy is sort of a side move or category. And I feel like, at least for kids, it's never talked about tragedies. Yeah. And, and why that is, is it's probably a long list. I don't know. I think, I, I think it's definitely the fifties. Well, okay. Well, I think of, I think of before, prior to the 20th century, it was Frankenstein. Those were, it was, it was, the tales of the day of, of those days were a little different. Frankenstein is entirely serious. There's ve- there's rarely there's rarely horror and there's rarely uh, comedy. There's no comedy. There's like very little comedy in Frankenstein. At least the book. I've actually never seen the movie of Frankenstein. Neither have I. Honestly, most literary works, especially works that compose the canon mm-hmm. the literary canon right which is to say like the best yeah they're not very funny <laughs> yeah exactly there's, i don't even think there's any in in what we consider great books oh mark twain like uh, uh tom sawyer and huckleberry finn mm-hmm. that but that's not like outright comedy like yeah yeah, definitely. It's more, it's more just like, uh, I think there's moments. And, and just the character of Huckleberry Finn is designed to, like, make you chuckle. I think, I, I think that's worth returning to, you know, when it comes to our tales. Serious and, and, and it's straightforward with its message, but it's also funny. It's also relatable in the sense that we're we're mostly funny like on a day-to-day basis we're probably funnier than we are we probably laugh more than we are scared of things so it's pretty it's pretty it's a common emotion to feel I don't know if it's an emotion but like laughter (laughs) I don't know I guess laughter would be the uh the the bodily response to like yeah um humoredness no wait this that's interesting actually what would it be that's why i don't know i feel like there's not that many emotions i feel like there's a there's a few that we can just categorize other things into like i feel like laughter and and happiness are are in the same category Laughter is just a side effect of happiness, like smiling. It goes from smiling and then laughing. Um, I definitely think we could we could probably group them into. I don't know. More more. Uh, put together categories. Somebody has probably broken that down some like professor of psychology and media 
<laughs> it pro- probably Carl Jung, because uh, he he created the archetype philosophy or not philosophy but concept the concept of archetypes that that there's the archetype of the mother that we go to we we embody it sometimes but it exists outside of us we go into that archetypal personality trait of the mother of uh soul or uh, a brave person or a a soldier i don't know i feel like it would be like the archetype of the soldier is this person that's direct and not afraid to be direct but uh yeah carl young definitely worth looking into was he american he he's swiss he's a swiss psychologist but uh you know it's funny that the 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 greatest thinkers in that field aren't taught as mainstream. Uh, they're not considered scientific, their methods. Even Freud, even Jung, because Jung is considered a mystic to a lot of people. Really? He's spiritual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, he, he's a philosopher. He's a philosopher. And I think. Psychology, I've made this point before about psychology. Psychology has boxed in the realm of the mind and, 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 and labeled it in, in their scientific, it, it has to fit into, the, into our scientific society or it's not real. And it, it excluded philosophy in many ways for the purpose of, and, and going back to Jason Rezzerjani, who's one of my, teachers at this point um he brings up the it's actually um i forget it might be martin martin heidegger he brings up how science is actually to create technology science isn't the directive of science isn't to discover it's to create technology i'm not too familiar with that concept but it's interesting to think of psychology because it's like oh we're gonna we we own the realm of the mind the 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 name psychology the the practice of psychology captured the realm of the mind so at least on a very uh mainstream level it's like, okay, look, we'll write down your problems and then we'll give you a pill. Here's, here's your pill. Like they, they've created the, they made the realm of the mind mechanistic. Oh, you're just, you just have a broken, you just need a little bit of this. Here, take this pill. And, it, and it's excluded what really goes on. And, and, and I would say it's, it's what Pierre Grimes brings up, that we have pathologos that, that these false views of reality we tend to fixate on them and and believe them to be true and really they're just a manifestation of a problem that that was passed down to us but psychology wants to say oh your mind's broken oh there's this wrong with your mind here's a pill here's whatever here do this because it's scientific and science is sort of this technologically driven practice 
it's essentially like uh, trying to extinguish the shadow of the fire on the wall instead of like actually turning to the fire and being like this is what's to be extinguished mm. like if there right. were a, if uh if there were a fire in the cave right i feel you yeah that makes sense um i think oh shit hold on i think that I don't want to get rid of, I, I think the pharmaceutical come industry owns the realm of the mind. And it, it, just from this outside perspective, I don't really understand it entirely, but the way it seems to me is that this, like the, the pharmaceutical company has its hands in every medical and every medical field, whether it's for good or for bad. And they will also want the realm of the mind to, Oh, you're not going to get away with the mind either. We want, we want to prescribe pills and 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 products for the mind which i don't on a on a just just for what it is i don't disagree with that entirely but i think that they're that they're limiting themselves by not allowing psychology to be philosophical and sort of saying it has to be mechanistic it has to be scientific it has to be empirically tested or else we're not going to fuck with it I think that there's money to be made for them if they would adopt philosophies and, and, and you know, I, I feel like, and, and this is another reason why Kanye would be an amazing president because one of his main goals as a president would be to merge the holistic realm and the pharmaceutical realm, the, the holistic industry and the pharmaceutical industry. Why, why are you making this much money serving people things that could be better, you know? It could be more natural. And uh, it goes as far as to say, like, you're excluding non-empirically tested things, non, non, especially when it comes to the mind. You're excluding these philosophies that have taken centuries to develop. And we already have the tradition. It's sort of, Bra bra uh, it branched itself off it broke itself off from philosophy which is the love of wisdom it became this as uh, from what I've heard Jason Reza or Johnny say it's, it's technologically driven but uh, I think there's money to be made for them and there's benefit to be gained from us from, by them from for for us if we had philosopher psychologists if we had holistic medicine because I think it's it's that disconnect because we're these organic beings we're these we're these organic creatures but we're taking these chemicals to fix the organic you know but if we if we would use the organic in a, alongside those chemicals or or replace the chemicals with the holistic or or natural medicines there's benefit for everyone in that case you know a figure like dr sebi comes to mind who who was mm -hmm. a holistic healer holistic uh practitioner yeah 
and as far as I know, he was uh, assassinated. That might be that well, might be a rumor. It's a conspiracy that he okay. was assassinated. He was killed. Um, I I agree with you because. They wanted to act instead of instead of uh, instead of making money with him. They decided, oh, he doesn't have he he's wrong. They they decided to declare that he's wrong and that he's a crazy holistic healer. It's not a, it's not a legit practice. We're not going to recognize it. Instead of realizing, oh, he had a point. They didn't they didn't they didn't even think about they didn't think of that. Oh, he this guy's going to fuck with our money if he has some other alternative medicine alternative way of healing which i think it's not perfect definitely not perfect that the dr sebi because i've actually tried to do it it's it's on you end up looking like dr sebi when you do dr sebi's diet getting it all skinny and i'm still skinny because of the because of extremes that i've taken with my diet um, so I think, but I do think he had a point, you know, if you can heal the disease by only eating, eating these specific foods that are high in this alkaline level, uh, he had a point, you know, but, but they wanted to act like, oh, he's just some crazy holistic. That's the problem with our, our scientific society. It's like, you're either empirical or you're nonsense and there's no in between. You don't have, you don't even have a point. There's no point to be made on that side. And it's always, that's the story of, of our culture, isn't it? There's two extremes. You could be completely holistic and ignore any type of science, or you could be completely scientific and ignore any holistic practices. It's obviously in the middle, you know? So why don't we merge those two realms and make money in the middle I think in addition to that, the, uh, the conflict and tension between empirical and holistic, so to speak, um, a reason why Big Pharma is not open to collaborating with um, holistic information and uh, practitioners, right? Because it actually, it, it essentially like contradicts what they're prescribing. And it's like, it's the, the they're they don't want to adapt. They don't want to adapt because they'll, the boat will go under, like they'll be sunk basically. And it's like, I don't think so. <laughs> I think they're making the mistake in thinking like that, you know? I think if they would adapt to what people want now, they'd make more money, but they want to be so rigid in their methods. Well, but I'm saying more like, uh, what is it that they're actually healing in their empirical methods? Like, are they essentially, are they actually creating more problems than they're solving? Are they doing more harm than they are healing? Yeah. And if so, are they not open to the collaboration and the fusion because their, their opposites or just alternatives 
would actually come in and being like, would identify their harm and then remedy their harm and actually solve what they are not solving, solve what they are worsening and then go to the root of the issue of the disease or whatever ailment, you know, like, I feel like prescriptions, I mean, this is not to say that modern medicine is like just some big scam because it's not. People it's not. are it's, absolutely it's not. healed, but and helped really. Like pain is alleviated on a daily basis. Yeah. But it's like, I mean, like you were saying, it's not perfect. Neither side is perfect. Of course. You're right. And, and I think you have a point in saying that. They, they, they're not, it takes, it takes someone, it takes a president to put pressure on the FDA. If a president were to put pressure on the FDA to say, okay, we're not going to allow this, this, and this because it has these side effects. I think you have a point in saying that they want to ignore the fact that holistic has less side effects than theirs. And, it, and you're right in saying that they sort of do create more problems if it comes with all these side effects. A lot of their, a lot of their, their products come with these side effects. Whereas like drinking a, a tea, what are the side effects in drinking a tea? You know, like if, if there's a healing tea that has healing properties, which, have, which has been done from the beginning of time, again, it go, it, 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 science had put its finger in everything. We had a tradition and then they came and changed it. We had, we had a tradition and then they came and changed it. Instead of continuing the tradition, they decided to break off. Uh, but I do think putting pressure on the FDA if you're president to allow this, 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 and that would make them adopt methods that are holistic or natural. Totally. Hello. Oh, it says my internet connection is unstable. Oh, yeah, it it lagged a little bit, but um, I definitely think Kanye has a point because I think I think a president could change that. A president could actually force them, put pressure on them to adopt holistic uh methods or at least ingredients. Has Kanye has talked about this before? Yeah. Yeah, when he, he did a presidential uh, speech. I don't know what it was. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. He, people criticized him for that. But I, I, after watching, I was like, he made so many solid points. If I was the president, I'd do a lot of the things that he was talking about, you know? But people want him to be a perfect politician, which he won't be because there is no perfect po politician. And I think it's interesting that it's not worthwhile for any president to deal with the issues that Kanye brings up. They think, oh, well, they're already stabbed. We don't want them to hurt anyone's money. And, and I think they take a careful approach. They don't want to, even if, even if you are a figure like Trump that's against the grain, so to speak, He's still not going to fucking, he's not going to fuck with the pharmaceutical company at all. He's not going to do that. It takes someone radical to do, radical is a negative word, but it takes someone 
who's unconventional to, to put pressure on the FDA. No one has ever done that. I mean, how, for how long have they been allowing shit like aspartame to be in, sold in products or high fructose corn syrup that, that has all of these links to, to diseases that, that are very prominent in our society. The food that the FDA allows has these side effects because they think that, I don't know, there's no president that's came along and put pressure on them. And we need that now more than, more than ever. We need that now. And, and we're seeing a society that wants that actually that wants healthier options that doesn't want to get fat when they're old, that doesn't want to die young from heart complications. It, it's surprising to me that we have a similar lifespan to ancient people. If you, if you're a healthy ancient person, you live to like 85 if you're a person now, you live to like 85. That's the average death rate. But I think a lot of people get confused when it comes to uh, pastimes, uh, life expectancy, because babies would die. So, so it, would, it, would, it would lower the life expectancy, but people still lived the same amount as us. If they could, you know, they would live just as long as we do. To me, that's kind of sad because we ha- we're, we're, way- we're so much further in so many areas, but we live the same amount of time. Like we can't figure something out. We can't figure out the best diet for everyone. Is the, um, is the quality of life in that 85-year span, has that improved much at all? I, don't, I wouldn't say so, honestly. Because I think of someone like Socrates was like 70. He's, he was up. He had a good mind. He wasn't broken, you know? And we, but we do see broken old men now. And I think because we rely so much on science to fix us, that, that we – it is, it is the, that if – I think if we merged, if we met somewhere in the middle, we'd live longer. If we advanced, if we, if we put our energies in the middle of that conversation, I think we'd see longer lives because guess who lives, guess who lives the longest today? The people that eat healthy, the people that work out till they die, they live to the 110. They live to ages that are surprising to a lot of people. I, I want to see people live to 200. Why, why is that not a thing anymore? Why is that not a thing right now? We can't live to 200 with our current state of everything. Maybe that's us. Maybe that's our generation. We're going to live to Maybe. 200. That, I think, I definitely think there's going to be advancements beyond what we can even imagine from right now to 2050 even. I think we're going to, in 2050, we're going to live in a completely different world than we are right now. Uh, I think there's a lot of things that could support my claim in that. A lot of improvements that we're seeing. Although we do have to see how this whole coronavirus or even civil war that we're on the brink of having, how that could affect us. Because it takes one state that has guns to have a conflict with each other. 
citizens having conflict with each other will change. If there's even one little battle, that's, that's a civil war. It's, people are going to be, take that seriously. It's not going to be taken lightly if there's a fucking battle. There's, if, there's a, if there's a, what's the word? Gunfight. Something that could very well catalyze a battle or, or uh, trigger a gunshot is um, the upcoming election, which is like. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm scared. I'm scared away. because I live in. I, I'm scared because I live here in, in LA. I think, to me, Trump's gonna win. Like I don't see. I don't think he's not gonna win. I can't imagine Biden beating him. I can't. Like. He's either going to, okay, this is what's going to happen. Biden's either going to have to debate Trump and lose horribly because he can't use his mind right. Trump or he's going to demolish. Or he's going to have to not do the debates, which is going to also affect him. Because, like, you didn't do the debates, bro. You're a pussy. Like, people, people are going to see it like that. Like, he's not competent enough. There's, there's two ways in which he proves himself in being incompetent as being a president, of being a potential president it's going to be the debates whether he does it or doesn't it's going to it's going to open a lot of people's minds like this guy no matter if we like trump or not we can't have someone incompetent literally brain damaged we can't we can't have that trump is whether you hate him or, or love him he he's he's there and he's he's also uh He's not to be taken lightly by other countries, I feel like. Like, I don't think any country is going to, like, literally piss Trump off because they know what he could, he would do. And I think we need someone like, I think there's a lot of aspects to, to being a, 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 a the leader of our country. And I think uh, it, it goes further than Biden's proposals, you know? I think we need someone that's literally has that literally has balls or courage um, because you can't you ha we have to have an image to us if our image okay Trump is a bad image for our, for our country but, but I think Biden would be worse because he's just I mean, he's not respectable. If I'm a different country and I see this old man that doesn't know what he's even saying, I'm, I'm going to think that country's weak. And they, every country knows. Country, on a global level, we're playing chess with each other. Every country's playing chess, making one move. That one move, it doesn't affect anyone personally, but it, it affects our positioning on the chessboard. I think Biden would be a wrong move. People are going to checkmate us if we fucking have Biden, you know? I don't, think, I don't think any country would cross Trump. I think a country would cross Biden, and they'd, they'd take advantage of our weakness with a president like Biden. But I think Trump is, has this... I think he, he's... he's he, People are, uh, countries would be more scared of him than Biden. 
if um if politics globally is like a game of chess i think politics domestically is also like a game of chess honestly and it's like if uh if trump if a re-election of trump would be a better chess move than an election of biden globally then a re-election of trump is going to be a I mean, I was going to say it's going to be a bad chess move domestically. It is. That's why that's I was saying. I'm scared to live here because I know he's going to win. And I know people are going to go ballistic when he wins, especially here. Everyone hates him here where I live. Um, and it's going to be, I think, a civil war, if not a very, very close to it. We're going to see conflicts in the streets. Because it's like we're, we're, we're arguing over what's the base. And for a lot of, for a lot of reasons, it's, it's, it just happens to be that Trump is the guy for this one side of it, the argument. But I think the left's argument, the left side, Trump's the right side. And I, I wouldn't even say Biden's the left because I think the people are the left. Biden's sort of just this, like, I, I'm with you guys type dude. Uh, the right is for the, the maintaining of the constitution and, and, and yeah, it's just, it's just for the constitution and for the tradition that we've already had and the left is sort of this, they want to deconstruct it. They, they want to claim that they're taking a Marxist view and even, uh, I would, yeah, I would say it's Marxist. It's a, mo- it's a postmodern view that the structure in which we live is inherently racist or even it, it's racist right now. That's, that, that's, that's, the, that's the claim right now, that it's racist and, the, and, if, and we need a new one. We, we, we don't like this one anymore. We want to create a new uh, constitution. I feel like that's, that's really what's going on, whether it's individuals or not. I think that's what's really going on idealistically. There's the upholding of a tradition, which doesn't necessarily mean a over-traditional outlook. I think the right has people that aren't over. The right has progressives. The left doesn't right now. Progressives have moved over to the right. And I think, I think people that claim to be progressive, progressive that are agreeing with the left on a lot of these things aren't really progressive. They're, they, like, particularly, I see things on Vice. I'll see a Vice article. You'd think Vice is like a progressive uh, news entity. But they're talking about not going back to normal. After, that's that's one that's a big thing with vice right now what if we didn't go back to normal what if we just stayed like coronavirus what if we what if we just stopped advancement what if we just stopped uh pro- progress yet they cl- yet the left claims progression and they're not they're not they don't want progression they want regression like let's start over which I don't agree with. I think we have a strong tradition. 
let's build to it let's add to it let's not you know we can we can look at great moments in history and i think the that people focus on the, the wrong moments and and want to claim that this is all we've ever been wrong we've always been wrong on an extreme level of course i think the most extreme people on the left are literally saying that that we 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 want something new i mean look at chaz they wanted to create their own civilization within our own so i agree with the upholding of a tradition and and because then that that leaves room for, for for progress more than a literal demolition of society you know basically both like you're saying that um the way forward should be both conserving what is but progressing from it so literally yeah. both like theoretically both conservative and progressive yes that, that's that's me that's that's how i think of shit and that's why i agree with cons like the right so right now particularly in this moment at of time i agree with the right i think yeah people who um examine these things more closely than i do would probably argue with you in saying that or anyone who feels that in order to progress there are things that must be conserved like the very foundation upon which the progress is being made i think people um people might say that there can be no progress the progress we seek cannot occur if the foundation is preserved if the foundation as it is is preserved like i think i disagree i i'd have to see the argument because then i i want it then the question the big question for that individual or that ideology would be what so, so what are you proposing i feel like i've I haven't, i've heard a lot of pointing the finger and a lot of wanting to deconstruct but i haven't heard a lot of proposing what could come how can you compete with the constitution if you are to create a new one if we are to f return to history and 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 you know return to what's already been established and 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 progress and progress from there so that's why i think it's it's regressive because it's returning to something that's already been established and then poking at that issue and then going back up to where we already are i think just where we are right now is good and there's to there's something to be gained from the future um i'm i have a recommendation for you of a philosopher a socioeconomic political philosopher his name is um oh god i don't know his first name his last name is like zizek z-i-z-e-k he's a very he's essentially a marxist anti-capitalist mm. um i think he's like eastern european anyway i think yeah. that like that is the individual <laughs> this this theoretical individual that i'm speaking of it is him you know and he's he's uh he studied this his whole life. I have I haven't even listened to him enough or read him at all to uh to really even be able to 
summarize his points, but I think I think well the main issue here for me is how I think the the main issue in general is how are we going to look at history? How do you choose to look at history as as a political movement? What is your view of history? And uh, it was Martin Heidegger that that came up with these three distinctive uh, ways of looking at history. There's the antiquarian view of history, looking at the past as a glory day and we'll ne- and, it, and uh, something that's that we've regressed from. That's the antiquarian, like make America great again is an antiquarian philosophy. So, so it was good back then, but not now. Then there's the Marxist view that it was never good. It's never been good. It, it, it was always oppressive. It's always hurt the weaker. And then there's the, I forget the, the, what he describes. It's, I'm quoting Jason Resiger Johnny. Uh, it's basically what he calls a Promethean view. The history, our canon is there for the inspiring moments in which that, that, has, that has brought us. And it's, and it's not something to fixate on, but something to be inspired to do again. To, not to do again, but to add to, I guess. What, what's surpass. the next? Surpass. And yes, surpass would be the perfect word, actually. But what's the next great moment for us? So it is, it is this... It's progressive. It's it's a more progressive view, and 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 I think that uh, was it. Mar- Did I say Martin Heidegger? I forget what I what I was. Did, yeah. Yeah. Martin Heidegger favors that view in in what in his uh, thinking. I think he says it's not perfect. Sure. I think there's ultimately validity to all three of those which is why they've been articulated as the categories. Um, Exactly. And I mean, that's actually useful to know of because it it lets you just as an individual member of society step back from the, the mainstream ideology, the dominant ideology. Right. And uh, think basically and and i think the main point of it is to be used in situations in different situations so at what point do we need to take the antiquarian point of view at what point do we need to take the marxist view at what point do we need to take the progressive view and i think right now we need a progressive we need to move past our past to something better because we've been making progress uh I don't agree with the make America great again because I think America is better than it was before. I think maybe politically we might, we've had a glory day and we're not as great as the glory day, but I think just in general, America's great and, and those, those past uh, greatnesses could be looked at as inspiration for future greatness instead of we're going to return to the fifties. Like what is, what is make America great again? What, when, when, what point of greatness do you want to return to? 
and make America great again. And I, and I don't agree with it, honestly, because we've made progress. We've become liberalized, which I think we need to slow down a little bit. Personally, I have, I have some disagreements with the over-liberalization of society because look what it's done to the intellectual sphere. You can't say things now or else you get scrutinized because it's like, the, it's like that point of view is, is the French Revolution before Napoleon came. It was, it was madness, liberal. They would kill conservatives, basically, because they were so liberalized that they didn't want anything to do with, with uh, history. And then Napoleon came, solidified it, and it became a trajectory rather than a, a chaos. And I think if the, if the left right now had a Napoleon, I would agree with them a little bit more. If they had someone that could structure their thinking, you know? But they don't, and it's madness. Do you feel that um, Bernie could have been that figure? I, I think Andrew Yang could be that figure. Because he's like this technolo he's he speaks not only to those far left people but to the to the tech people to the reasonable people to most for, for most part everyone honestly I think he would be the best president right now but right now it's going to be Trump Trump's the best pick in my opinion I think he's the best pick I wouldn't pick Biden and I think I'm actually going to vote for Trump. I know it's controversial, but wait, you didn't me, vote in the last election, did you? No, I didn't. I didn't. I mean, I was in high school. I didn't really care, honestly. I wasn't the person that I am today, but now I'm paying more attention to it. And I, I'm curious to see what another four years of Trump would bring. Like, let's see. Let's let's give him the chance to finish his vision if he has one. Which I think he does, but debatable. <laughs> <laughs> right. But uh I don't know. I just think he's a stronger candidate. I think we can't we can't ignore that. Yeah. As condemn as condemnable, would that would that be the right word? As Trump is, I think he's the better of the two. For some reason, a lot of people think Biden is, but I don't. I mean, he said just if people don't like what Trump said, Biden has said just as worse shit, just as bad of stuff. They're honestly both loose cannons. Yeah. Like, I, I think so. But I, I agree with the ideology of, of that side, of the Trump side whatever Trump's at the head of, which I don't really think he's the head of. I think he's just the guy for that side, the right. And I think I just agree with the right more. Whether it's Trump or not, I would vote for someone that's going to uphold tradition. And because he's, you don't, we don't have to take a traditionalist view with, their, with that. But I think that if the left gained power right now, it'd be a little more dangerous. I think they're the loose cannons more than anything. The people on the left are the loose cannons more than Biden is.
Trump's the loose cannon of the right, but the people on the right aren't loose, bro. They're, they're pretty solid in their thinking, and, and most reasonable people agree with the right's perspective right now. But uh, when it comes to like shit like Chaz, I think that's, to me, that's a no. So wait, um, to your point about uh, uh, who you'll vote for, no, not Kanye, no writing in of Kanye. I don't. I don't think I can vote for him here in California. He's oh. only he's on the ballot. But is it is it an option in every state to write someone in freely? Oh, I, I'm not sure. I've never voted. This is this would be the first time I vote. Yeah, what an election! What a what a first time. Yeah, what, what? Yeah, what? <laughs> what a great what great choices I have. But you know, it's kind of this is uh, this is just pretty much the election cycle. You know, there is there is never a perfect candidate. Yeah, I I think Andrew Yang's good, honestly. As long as he doesn't go, I think if he was more, I think he should take. A more right-wing perspective personally and I think he'd win if he did but I think people on the right see that he's on the left and the left has these questionable attitudes to our society about our society but I think if he if he re recognized that the right would vote for him I think he could win he'd get more voters because I think the left and the right could vote for him, someone like him, if he's not too left, if he's not, if he doesn't lean too left. I thought he, uh, he presented pretty um, moderately though. Like he didn't necessarily chain himself. No, of course not. But I think he, pe people see shit as sides, you know? And, and, it, he's going to feel the pressure of the side if he decides to um, please them. He's going to feel the pressure. Like, we want more from you. People are going to demand more from either side, you know, from him. And I think uh, if he took the more centrist, I mean, if he leaned, if he, if he, hurt, if he uh, went for uh, Republican needs, and liberal needs i think he'd have a i don't know honestly but i just feel like a lot of people on the right wouldn't vote for him because he's more left-leaning i think he has a chance on the right though i think there's Ber like bernie has no chance on the right i think andrew yang does but i have I to take a piss really bad so i'll be back i fuck with that that wall uh vision board yeah it's, it's a yeah it's a vision board but like straight that off the wall. Be, that, that should be your background for the podcasts you know, i was thinking i guess like i didn't want to um when i put it up i was like yeah i'm not gonna like i don't want to share this i don't want to talk about it right i feel you but um yeah it's it's good though yeah, I it, it. Be, uh, it is background worthy. Mm -hmm. But anyways, I was gonna say, um, just before I make a point, I was gonna make that's this is the first episode where I haven't had to um, interrupt for a bathroom break. Yeah, I, I've been drinking considerably less though. You know. Yeah. I've learned. I've learned my limit. 
But anyway, um, I was just going to say, I hope that, or I think that both um, Andrew Yang and Kanye and their platforms, I hope that they... Um, or even Andrew Yang and Kanye running together. Oh, that would be amazing. Because, I mean, you could, he could, right? If, let's say Kanye won, went further than Andrew Yang, can't he pick up Yang to become his vice president or? Um, louder. I, I, I feel like, I feel like well, it should be. I think, yeah, because I think Kamala Harris was running for president too, right? I was going to say, I feel like that's happened before where a president is like, or a, or a, previous presidential candidate has been swallowed up as the vice you know in the beginning of america it was the vi the the second runner-up would become vice president really yeah but obviously it was like tension between the two so they ended it yeah that could be like that could be really contentious biden Bi imagine Trump Biden had to be Trump's vice president. They're right. automatic. They automatically don't even like each other. Like nothing would. Yeah, it, it would just be like a reality show. Honestly, <laughs> it should be though. Honestly, I think the president's life should be a reality show that we can look into. Like, what is he dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis? I feel like that's that's actually a major missed opportunity for Trump. <laughs> he should have reality showed the fuck out of his honestly maybe there's rules he should have honestly maybe kanye would keeping up with the white house keeping Kardashians. Up with oh you know that's ending yeah, yeah, yeah i saw that that's that's weird though i feel like they're just gonna do like their own thing they probably just don't want to be tied together with the whole uh network because really, their social media transcended the show. They're on their own now, if you think about it. They That's don't need that point. show, really. Yeah, they, they could, could just they walk. Could, they could more than hold their weight. What I was going to say, though, just a quick point. Um, I hope that as far as, like, upcoming politicians go, because the reality is that, like, members of our generation like one of our peers or really like a handful of our peers will be future presidents right exactly and it's like i hope that figures like kanye and andrew yang and i'm mentioning the two of them specifically because i feel like what they what they brought to the table that so many other politicians don't are uh identifications of real problems coupled with solutions right, right. like they're not, they're not it's not just empty promises it's actually like this is like with andrew yang he's like yeah. this is plan. it is a plan right and i hope that it inspires the aspiring politicians to yeah, actually yeah. formulate a plan and like i i think i think that it would be cool to see Imagine it was a, a full race of presidents, presidential candidates that all have one thing to offer. Like Andrew Yang's is the universal basic income. Someone else offer, offers this, but it's like a specific thing, you know? 
that they're actually going to do. So we're voting on on a plan rather than a person. Huh. Would that be the only thing they're allowed to accomplish? Um, no, I don't think that would work. But I think it's interesting because then it, then it could be like, okay, we're adding something on each president. Huh. I feel like they, they do that now, but it's diluted. Like they, they have to figure out, they're, they're, they're spread out so far. They have to deal with all of these things instead of just proposing this one thing and putting all their energy into their one plan. That's, yeah, there's, uh, there's definitely pressure to spread yourself thin, to like cover all the bases and address mm -hmm. all the issues because there's right. so many. Like I think Trump fucked up because he could have just been the economic dude in the country. Like he could have just been literally the businessman president. But he ended. He want. He he did spread himself out. He wanted to be the military leader, Trump. He wanted to be all of these things. But he he's the businessman. He should have just only fixed the economy, or made it better. Of course, shit's thrown on your plate. But I was gonna say, I think in 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 a certain sense, you kind of have to dilute. You 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 don't really stand a chance otherwise. Like if you were to, um just be like no i have i have no opinion or proposal on yeah, this this true. this and this it's like well like yeah. get out of here like what are you doing like you yeah, and you know that's kind of that in and of itself is a problem that like you need to take a stance even if like mm -hmm. you i mean you're not even if you're not necessarily adding anything <laughs> i i do i like the idea of a council more than a, just one guy like uh like in rome it was the senate that had power they would debate things um for a long time it was the senate it was the senate and the people it was the roman republic or the damn i forget what it was <laughs> The Senate and people of Rome or some shit like that. So it would be like if Congress were open to the public for dialogue? No, I think Congress would just be the last uh, say that there's no one dude dictating the Congress's decisions, you know? Or at least like, I think the president's job is more to direct Congress's decisions. But uh, Congress isn't, doesn't play the role of leader. They mostly shoot shit down, you know, whereas the leader wants to get things done. But why isn't there a Congress of presidents? Why isn't there a presidential Senate for presidents debating different issues you know yeah i think i mean that disrupts the uh the individualization that a presidential democracy is like built on mm -hmm. um but yeah that 
it's almost like a like a hive mind that actually that could work i think the technological singularity meaning when technology reaches a point of no return to the past i think that there's going to be i don't even think it's going to be the same structure of a country of our country i think it's going to be a global country i think it's inevitable that we're going to be a global uh empire i guess someone's going to be the global empire or a new one's going to emerge uh so i i definitely think you're going to see change off that alone who knows there might even be like a caesar dictator type guy or or Maybe it will be only Senate, like Rome. It's going to be the same. So who knows for how long we're going to be talking about the next presidential candidate? Because I think technology is really what's going to. It's going to push everything. It's going to. It's going to threaten our, our uh, tradition more than anything. And that's why I like Andrew Yang, because he's thinking about it. He's one of the only presidential candidates that would think about something like that. Did you hear me? Uh, in a very slowed down way, I think so. Andrew Yang is is one of the only candidates to think about something like that. Yeah. Yeah, he's like one of the only ones thinking about the singularity. He's one of the only on, candidates. On, oh, okay, you're back. He's one of the only what candidates. I feel like he's one of the only candidates um, looking to the future. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because I think a lot the pres like Trump and Biden, they're really pressured to think about what right now. How can we deal with the problem right now? And uh, Andrew Yang's more like, what about the problems that are going to come? Like, well, we're just going to leave it to another Trump and Biden to figure it out now. We need to think about it in advance. That's the smartest move. You think about it. Are there people going to be out of work if a robot truck can drive things instead of a person? Uh, fuck yes, there's not going to be any truckers anymore. So what's going to happen to all that, that whole community of people? You have to figure something out. And, and, I, and I like the idea of, of universal basic income, honestly. Because it... it it does free us because if if that's not the goal, then what is to free us from labor? You know why? What's the point of doing shit? Because you want? Because we want to? That should that should be the only reason of of having to do something is because we want to do it, or or we're upholding some tradition of, uh, you know. But I think that I can see a society free of 
having to go to a job we'd see more we'd see we'd see a different society like we let's see what we what happens let's see what we do with that i think it i think it's going to be good like there's there's a higher chance of it being good than bad but people are scared of that for some reason people think we're going to end up like soviets or something or or you know people see that as like communist but it's not it's just makes mo- the most sense we don't need to do shit that we had to do back then it really yeah it really is progress or at least the first step of it yeah because i guess what what could be a second step would be um if uh if there were more social structure to the the paths that we can take and the activities that we can commit to if we were all surviving off of a UBI instead of just sort of paving it ourselves figuring out ourselves you know what I mean like if there were uh, I guess if it were somewhat institutionalized although that might not be a good thing if it's like all right they need to be individualized you know instead of institutionalized yeah because i think more than anything we need that's what america does that's what liberty does that's what libertarianism is protecting the individual from an institution and, and letting the individual choose their own path. Well, maybe if uh, if an institution were created that the individual can choose or not choose to go into and participate in. Or, or if the institution promoted individualism or... or even required it if we're talking about like school something like a school okay let's say no one worked and the only objective like okay like what if there's a star fleet in that world because we don't have to work anymore so it's sort of like okay we're just going to discover everything we're just going to become this amazing artistic uh scientific powerhouse of of a society I think per, uh, still, even then, like we're training those people, we need to promote individualism because then it leaves room for breakthroughs. It leaves room for, for the search, the quest of something that hasn't been discovered before. Whereas an institutionalized society, like now we see with school or, or particularly school, it's sort of like, how can you fit into what's already been discovered? Where can you work in this one method of doing biology? It's not like, why don't you create your own new method of doing biology that can compete with the established method of biology? That's, that's not really promoted in our uh, education system or even society. Like, we need to adopt the individual aspect if we're going to be this 
liberated society, liberated from work. I think it's... I think break... Um, Go ahead. It's... It might be... That structure might be easier said than done, though. Or maybe not, but... I think, I think it's possible, definitely. Um, because... Let's say, let's say a lot of the kids, let's say a lot of the people in that society aren't those breakthrough people. The fact that we could promote it, or that's the goal for people, or at least a favorable direction to take, we'd see more of them. Even if, there, even if not everyone is that, we'd still see more breakthroughs in biology breakthrough in music breakthrough in uh engineering or physics like i think in a liberated society we need a a, a trajectory which i think breakthroughs or what jason residue johnny calls a promethean attitude what's to come what hasn't been what's what's a pivot away from the established a trajectory is is a great way of um putting that it's yeah. needed it is because then if it would be stagnant if we were over traditional or if we were uh anything but that really yep Yeah. Um, Anything else? No, honestly, I think I'm 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 dried up. There's nothing else in me. Cool. Well, Peace. until the next time. Yep.